Because let's let's face it, a lot of people may not like to hear me say this, but I'm going to say it. It is really, really hard being an African-American right now. It is, male. Mm-hmm. Any man will, any any black man will tell you that. Now, right. you know, that, the reason for that, that's another show, but I'm just saying it is very, very hard, and, and, and a lot of men just give up and they don't fight. But, again, that's another topic for another show. But right. We we as men we need to come together and say, this is our outlet. This is what we can do, and, and have exercises and just talk. Because a lot of times, right. if if as men, if we talk, mm-hmm. that'll solve a lot of the problems. Don't you think? Exactly. I, I I agree with you. That's one. I mean, we'll we'll sit around and talk about a football game, or a basketball game, or some sporting event. We we give so much importance. The things like that, but when it comes to matters of the heart, we punk out and we wimp out and refuse to just open up and really tell what is really going on in the inside of us. And that's where we we fall short as, as men. We don't we don't open up and we don't diffuse situations before they get out of hand and someone gets hurt, someone gets killed or someone spends the rest of their life locked behind bars. And that's what's going on, in my opinion, mm-hmm. with us as black males. Mm. You know, I agree. You know, I, I also think that part of that is, and, and this thing about domestic violence is definitely a learned behavior. You know, this isn't something that, oh, all of a sudden somebody decides that they want to be aggressive against a woman, against a woman. Or on the converse side, you know, what I've seen lately, believe it or not, is the prevalence of women who are being aggressive and beating men. You know, I have a close friend of mine who uh, went through a situation like that where, you know, he was trying to keep the peace and not, you know, you know, facilitate a bigger conflict, and he ended up being the victim. You know, but exactly. I think it's a learned behavior. I think it's something that, you know, that people see and nobody is addressing it. And because nobody addresses it, it keeps happening. Exactly. Well, we live in a society where, you know, we as men, we we, we know that to, to be the breadwinner and the protectors of the family, we have a natural instinct to be somewhat aggressive. But I think a lot of times women can play a role uh, as far as how for sometimes. I mean, sometimes you just got men who are off or out of control. But then there's times when women can play a role or sometimes be what I call passive aggressive that will cause a situation, you know, to tip over. A lot of times women women needs to know you know that 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 if they push a certain issue, sometimes it's just it's okay to just step back and not try to get the last word in. Walk away before that situation explodes to a point. It's always better to walk away and not get that last word in. You know because you you never know where um, a man what he's going through. It's you know a lot of times I think to women. You know, they they think they think in traditional terms. The man's supposed to go out and be the breadwinner or, or bring some to the table. And you know, we as, as as our instinct tells us we got to put bread on the table. And and when that woman pushes this on the man and says, "Hey, you're supposed to do this. You got to do this," and that man is already feeling you know, somewhat down and out because he's not, because somehow uh, they, they they feel like they're, they're, you know, they're in a situation where we they can't do what they need to do because of issues like racism, discrimination, and just sometimes the economy is just bad. And sometimes uh, minority people kind of get the bad end of that. Right. You know what? I, I want to say this. When, when you said sometimes women may push some buttons, uh, I, do you think, uh, both of you, Brian, jump in if you feel like you have the answer to this, and I'm sure both of you will want to touch on it. 
But do you feel sometimes that women play a role in and and, and please listen, please for those that are listening, please understand what I'm what I'm asking. Do you guys feel that women sometimes play a role in pushing the man too far? A lot of times we'll say, you know, we want to back off and walk away and, and, and leave and, and do certain things, but sometimes we just push to that point where not to fight, but we're pushed to a point where we feel, uh, I'd say, what, less than a man? Well, you know what? I think it, it – and, and, you know, maybe people will disagree with this, but I think that you're less than a man if you allow somebody to push your buttons that much. If you allow somebody to get in your head that much to where you, the only thing you know to do is to hit them and to beat them, then, you know, you're not thinking like a true man. You're thinking like a kid because that's what you see children do. You know, there have been yeah. plenty of people that – have made me that mad. But when I was a kid, that's when I used to fight. You know, not when I became an adult. When I became an adult, you know, I thought rationally. I walked away from situations. You know, if I saw where this thing is is starting to get a little heated to where it may become aggressive, I say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's cool. Let's let's take this down a notch. You know, because you know, personally, I'm 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 not in the mood to be in you know, throwing no hands and all that stuff, you know. I mean, I still got a little hand, but I want to keep it. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I think that's the problem, you know, in our in our effort to show that we're the man, to show that we, we are the stronger whatever, you know, we lose sight of what a man is. And we think a man is whoever the strongest is. Well, what what strength are you talking about? You know, because the strongest man in the world physically could be the weakest man in the world mentally. Right. Now, what about what about when you said that, Brian? When you said that a, a man shouldn't allow anybody to push him to that point. But when you, but when a man is is looking at foreclosure, or a man is looking at doing the best he can, he's breaking his back out there. When there's no support at home for for him, when, when when the woman in the home supports the ideas and thoughts of someone else other than a husband, and when she when she will buy into what somebody else is saying, and she's treating this man less than a man, right? And he's being pushed to the point to where he can't walk away. And I'm not saying that, I, and I don't agree with a man ever hitting a woman. I'm talking about the mindset of, of of what's about to happen that could happen when you push, 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 like Larry was saying. Again, I'm going to ask the question, and Larry, you, you can answer. Do you think women can push a man to that point to make him that angry, which he's probably already angry, but push him to the point where he feels less than a man? And I'll say this before you answer. I think things happen that, and it builds up over a period of time mm-hmm. for a man to explode like that or for a woman to explode on her husband like that. Larry, what do you think? Uh uh, yes, I do. Um, you know, you know, there's no way to know what percentage where women or men go beyond the line. There's no way none of us can know that. I just know, based on my own experience and based on some things I I hear as a social worker, you know, and 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 mainly because of some of the experiences I've had. You know, we we may have these preconceived notions what a man should and should not do. But when anger, when anger gets out of control, it's just like any other sickness or disease that humans, or you know, deal with. You know, uh, we go overboard and, and smoking cigarettes, drugs, what have you. I think anger to some degree can, can pull you in so much to where all your values can disappear when you're pushed uh, to a level, and, and and women should not just depend on the fact that this you're supposed to be a man and you should not cross the line. Unfortunately, men cross the line, so women need to be mindful that 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 once it gets to a certain point, men are not looking at whether whether or not we should cross the line. Anger takes over. And that's when the abuse happens, 
the women need to know that that once that situation gets to a point, that boiling point, they need to realize all of that stuff, what men think they need to be, goes out of the window. And so we, we need to be mindful of that. We need to have a cooling off period, and we need to step away. We don't need to push this man into a corner. You, you shouldn't push anyone into a corner because we know what happens when we push somebody in a corner. And, Brian, what, what, what do you think about when a man grows up or a kid grows up and see a man beating his mother, uh, be it his father or the woman's boyfriend or fiancé at the time? Because, you know, a lot of times you see women living, uh, you know, they have their boyfriend or whatever living in the house with them and they're not married. And, and bad things are going on, especially if they're really, really young. And they see these fights and these arguments. What do you think is going on in the head of that child? Well, you know, what I think is that, like I said earlier, it's a learned behavior. But when you think about if this is something that a child is seeing over and over on a regular basis, they think that that's normal. And so when they become an adult, it, it's no big deal for them to maybe smack a, you know, a young man to smack a girl in the mouth if she's talking too much, if they've seen that in their house, you know? It's nothing for a girl to, to slap her boyfriend in the face if that's what she's seen her mama do, you know, in the house, you know? So, I mean, that's that's the reality here, that when you see these kids going through, this, you know, and these people going through these situations, it's not because it's not something they hadn't seen before. It's like, how do you know how to swim? You usually either... Jump in the water and swim, or you see somebody else swim and you do what they do. But Brian, what if what if what if the child, when he grow up to be a, a teenager, he start dating, and he believes that what he's seeing is right. That's right. If he believes what he sees and 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 hitting a woman is right, how can we change the way that he thinks as far as thinking and beating on a woman? If he thinks that is right, it. It is hard to really reach that person. Well, you know, I think what you have to do is you have to show them truth. And either they're going to believe in the truth or they're not. I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to make anybody do something they don't want to do. You know, you may force their hand, but you're not going to change their mind on that unless they want them, unless they want to change their mind. So, you know, trying to get them to do something you know, uh-uh, that ain't going to work. Showing them there's a better way to do something and then having them make the choice, I think that's the better approach. You know, because you're not going to force somebody to believe something. You know, you've you got to present them with the truth, and then either they're going to believe it and follow through or they're not going to believe it. But, Larry, what do you think about today's youth? That, that's, I, I love that, Brian. I love that. But, Larry, do you think today's youth, will think that Brian, Brian, Brian's approach, do you think that they'll think that that's being soft? Well, unfortunately, this, this is my opinion, unfortunately, our kids don't hear that message enough. You know, uh, the kids these days, they're basically, they're raising themselves. Uh, the mother, you know, either working long hours, or just somewhere doing something negative. And these kids are programming and teaching each other. Uh, they And the media uh, situation does not help at all. They're, they're listening uh, to rap music that, that promotes uh, this type of behavior. Uh, movies, uh, video games, everything that these young people are engaged in has a lot to do with violence. It, it promotes violence. And these kids are being programmed. And what 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 are what is taking place in our communities to deprogram them? You know, or or men setting up mentoring programs in our communities and getting these young people to participate? Or or when we drive down the road we see them walking down the street with their pants hanging below their butt, and they they have no respect uh, for ministers or whoever will come to their community and 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 have a mentoring program set up for them. 
and, and these programs are very few and in between. So a lot of times these young people are not getting any counter uh, uh, counter teaching to to what the violence that they're experiencing and seeing on a daily basis through media, through music, and all these other mediums. So uh, our work is cut out as far as deprogramming our young people. We we got to do more if we want to see this thing change. Yes, I, I agree. You know, and that's really the key. We have to do something as men to change this. You know, and, and and I think it's just so important that we do that. Greg, what can we do to change the minds of our youth, of, of, of our people who perpetuate this, you know, this horrific thing? Well, you know, I was just talking with, and I have a call tomorrow, Brian. We do it. You don't know a thing about it, but now you do. I was just talking with Demetrius the Billionaire Brown, and we were talking about the uh, boot camp. It's a boot camp for for the youth. And this is something that we're going to put together. I'm not going to say we're going to try, but this is something we're going to put together. And we're going to teach these kids how to live and play in the role model of the things that they wish to become. And, Brian, you've seen this role model thing. You've seen how we do this in the detention centers, and you know how powerful it is to pull a kid out of his environment and place him in an environment mentally He's mentally there. He He's playing that role. He is that judge. He is that lawyer. Not saying that they're the best, but he is that professor or that professional uh, coach or, or, or whatever it is that he wants to be or she. We put them in that role, and when they play that role, that is their position, and we give them that power. We tell them these are the things that you can do and these are the things that you shouldn't do, and they take it very, very serious, and Afterwards, I guarantee these kids will start asking, I want to do this. I never felt this before. I, I, I believe that I can do this. But as long as they stay in the environment and continue playing the roles of those that they see on a daily basis, they're going to continue doing the same thing. They're going to grow up in that environment looking at the man that's beating that woman and say, this is what I should do. But when you take them out of that environment and you put them in an environment where Things are not like what they've been seeing, and they'll say, "Wait a minute, this is wrong. This, this should, it shouldn't be this way." Now, whether they can stop it or not is not the issue. The issue is what did that kid believe? He can grow up and come out of that environment, and we see it happening all the time. But we don't see it happen as much as it should. That's right, exactly. Brian uh, and Greg, you know, I, I really do think that some type of conference or forum uh, to bring uh, different entities together, the, the ministers, uh, the, the, the youth sports uh, program directors, bring all these men and agencies together, and, and let's, let's talk about how we can have a message uh, that we can we can distribute it among everyone that's consistent. Uh, the coach should take out time. In fact, Greg uh, and Brian, I used to uh, implement sports programs in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, and as a as a social-minded person, you know, I was concerned about some of the issues that was going on uh, with our young people. So I made an effort to take out time and talk to my football players or my basketball players or baseball players about certain social issues that that was a, of importance uh, to me that they learned. And I, I think if we have a consistent message, you know, with, with, with all of these agencies and, and programs where we take out time and have what, what I call teaching moments, you know, I mean, sometimes we get so caught up into winning a game, you know, that that we just we just drop the ball when it comes to, you know, uh, taking advantage of, of of what I call teaching moments where the coach who who has a lot of influence over young people, and rather than than take advantage of these moments, we only promote winning at all costs, which is also a form. Uh, of promoting aggression, 
if, if that's all we talk about is just winning, winning, winning at all costs. So we we need to change the way we think as a society and put mechanisms in place to sort of like defuse and deprogram our young people. You know, I, I, I think that was well said. You know, the one thing that we fail to do is empower our youth. And, again, like you said, I mean, Greg and I, we can relate to that in sports because we coached football for a number of years. And, you know, we've been on both sides of the equation where we've seen people negatively, you know, influence our kids through sports, you know, as well as, you know, we positively try to do our best job to influence the youth in sports. You know, and I'll, and Greg, oh, no, I always said, you know, if you learn anything, you know, learn that this is a team sport. And you may not win the game, but win win the lesson. Learn the lesson. You know, the lesson is more way more important than, you know, winning the game. And and Greg knows I don't have to win a single game. Because that's never really been my motivation. I want to I want the kids to win at life. Exactly. Because that's the most important thing. If they can't win at life, football means nothing. Nothing at all. And, you know, the, the the beautiful thing about what we're talking about now is we're starting at the roots at the very beginning. We're talking about the young kids. Now, going into the jails, Brian has gone in with me before, and he, he's gone in there before himself. But when you're talking with an adult, somebody's been doing this for a long time, I do believe at some point that this person is going to need counseling. This is not something that this person can say, well, I won't do this anymore. Well, that's fine and dandy if he say that, but with, if it, when his buttons are pushed, he's going to react and he's going to go back and do what he's normally used to doing. But now he may feel terrible after. And Tony Gaskin said it best when he said that not only is the woman the victim, the man is the victim as well. He feels terrible afterwards himself. Now, not all exactly. men feel terrible. Right, right. Not mm-hmm. all of them, but they need help. They they really need help and they really need to get it right away because all they're gonna do is is it's gonna go worse and worse and worse. And I've heard Oprah say when, when a man hits you one time, he's gonna continue hitting you. Mhm. But I've never heard anyone uh, say, well, he can be cured, or he can do this. We there's there's a way to stop all of this. You we're only hearing one side, which is. Decide that it happened. Okay, we know it's happening, but what is the solution? Let's give a solution instead of saying, "Okay, if he hits you once, he'll do it again." What is the solution? Okay, if that woman get out of that marriage, if she get out of that relationship, where does that leave the man that's doing this? He's going to continue doing this once he's done with this woman. If he gets another woman, he's going to continue doing the same thing. What is the solution? You know, uh, again, I, I still say that the solution is truth. You have to present them with truth. You know, if it's if it's a woman that's being abused, she has to be presented with the truth. The truth is, you're not going to be abused if you don't, if you're not allowing them to abuse you. You know, I I can remember, um, actually, this was my oldest sister, and she talked about how. Her boyfriend attacked her and tried to kill her one day. Mm. And she said, never again. You know, and he attacked her in front of their son. You know, so she'll tell you. She said she never went back to him after that after that day. Because she was leaving him. She was tired of him, you know, you know, cheating and everything on him. And she decided to leave him. And, you know, he basically came into her apartment. He, he worked at the apartment complex as the maintenance man. So he had a key to her apartment and he came into her apartment, you know, with the intent of killing her because she was leaving him. Mm. You see, but what she did was she survived and she never went back, you know, and it wasn't like a situation where she was provoking him or anything. She was not happy in the relationship. You know, he apparently was the the one that was in wrong in the wrong she wanted out of that negative relationship he wanted to use his aggression 
to prevent her from leaving. You see, because this thing is not about, oh, the man's going to beat you here or beat you there. This thing is about power and control. That's the key word, control. And that's what it's about. It's about power and control. And see, sadly, we learn this at, a early, at an early age because everybody remembers the bully. Everybody remembers the, the pushy girl that would beat anybody up or get in your face. Everybody remember the boy that nobody messed with because he would beat you down. See, those are where you learn those behaviors. And even the folks that were the victims, when they became victims, now they have to act like the aggressors because it's payback time for whoever, you know, not necessarily the person that did this to them, but for whoever came in their path later on. You see, so these are, like I said before, these are learned behaviors. You learn this as a young kid, that if you push enough, everybody will get out your way. If you act big and bold and strong, then nobody will mess with you. And everybody will try to be your friend so they don't get beat up. Right. Do you guys you see? Right. Right. Absolutely right. Do you guys agree that as little boys when we're coming up, are we really taught how to love others? Are we really taught how to love others? And I know being in a relationship and you're coming up and you're talking about relationships with your kids is a tough, tough thing. It's really, really hard for a lot of people to talk, men to talk with their, their boys about, okay, this is how you treat a woman. Because a lot of people feel that, okay, if I teach him, if I try to talk to him and tell him how to treat a woman, they're, they're going to mistake what I'm teaching them to, so that he can have sex with this woman. So that they'll say that I, I condone what they're doing as long as they're not fighting the, the girl. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is, are we really teaching them how to respect women or how to respect each other? Not so much just women. I think that we mess up when we just try to teach them how to just respect women. I think that, that we need to learn how to respect each other. It doesn't matter your gender. Exactly. It shouldn't matter. And exactly. That's something, yeah, and that's something, if you pay attention to the youth today, and Larry, I know you see them all the time, mm-hmm. everybody is angry. Where is all this anger coming from? Well, <laughs> I can tell you this much, Greg, that that it's coming from a, from a lot of things that I mentioned earlier. I mean, everything around them. You know, it's violence. You know, you know, media, and a lot of these kids, Greg and I used to coach a lot of them, as well as you all used to meet a lot of these kids. Where I used to see a lot of these kids heart beating when they when somebody laughs at them, they they so angry and tense inside. Man, you can just touch them on their on their chest and, and feel their heart beat racing. And I said, what is going on with our young people? They're too young to be feeling this way. But what what has happened, because a lot of these young people don't have fathers in the home, uh, you know, I think a lot of that uh, plays a, a part. They, they're a little angry about the con- their conditions, uh, the fact that they don't have a father, uh, They and, and they feel like they're in this subculture that nobody basically pays them that much attention. So I think a combination of all these things cause a lot of our young people uh, to feel that way. As a kid growing up in, in the late 60s, you know, uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of men in the homes back then. I mean, it was more so than now. But most of my friends and the ones, especially the ones who became drug dealers and gone to prison, a lot of these young men, and you know, they didn't have fathers in their homes. Uh, I never seen my father hit my mother. They were they was together until my father passed away, and I never seen my father lay a hand on my mother. And I think that had that played a, a major role in me not uh, uh, ultimately putting my hands on a woman because I never saw that. But we as, as kids, we're, we're taught in indirect ways. Uh, uh, how to let out our aggression. When we're in the community playing with our friends, we learn early that in order to keep from being beat up, we have to 
be aggressive ourselves and we have to be controlling. That's what we learn uh, in society. And these kinds of values are instilled within us, and we only do what we feel like is natural, and that's being controlling when the time comes. And that's when, you know, when men use that against uh, females in relationship, that control issue like Brian just mentioned. Now, what do you guys think about the red flags in a relationship? Are, are they there, or are the women just ignoring them, or are the man, you know, is he ignoring the red flags early in that relationship? And what I mean is, if that man is doing certain things to let you know that he's violent, or if he's saying certain things to let you know he's violent, take it serious right then. I, I, I say that's not a joke. You don't joke around like that. And, and with yeah. a woman, if she's pushing you and pushing you, understand that that needs to be taken care of right then and there at the beginning of that relationship where it's not tolerated, okay? Um, we're not going to talk about this or we, we need to calm down. Okay, let's calm down. Uh, whenever it gets to this point, let's just both walk away and we'll deal with this later. Or when the man says something like that, you either end it right then or let him know that if if it, if it ever happens again, it's over. There, there's no relationship, there's no discussion, there's no nothing. But because they feel, some women feel and some men feel that they can change the other person, you can't do that. You can't change the other person. So my question to both of you is, why do you think people ignore the red flags? I tell you, love, love is a powerful thing, brothers. I... You know, a lot of times females, because of that nurturing uh, nature that God has given them, I think they kind of go to extremes, I think, sometimes in thinking that that, uh, that that somehow or another, through that nurturing, through love, through care, uh, fixing a perfect meal or dressing a certain way, putting up a little makeup on, sometimes I think, Females go a little to the extreme in their nurturing uh, nature to try to please men, that they, they're willing a lot of times to overlook things. And, and because a lot of times these women, you know, naturally they want someone in their lives and they don't want to lose what they have. they rather try to repair it versus, versus trying to start all over again and trying to learn someone new. So they hold on. They have that hope, and, and that's a good thing, but I think sometimes uh, it's used against them. Uh, they use it against themselves in thinking that somehow or another this man will somehow turn around because of some good that they do. And unfortunately, many times, many times, you know, and unfortunately it doesn't always happen like that. You know, I, I think the reason that they ignore the red flags and the warning signs, you know, is because they don't want to believe that this person is like that. You know, they want to try to change this person. That person's not a bad person, and then that person is all they've got. And a lot of times it's due to low self-esteem. They don't believe that they're that they're much themselves. They don't believe that they can do any better or get any better or have any better. So they stay with this less than perfect person. Well, I won't say less than perfect because nobody's perfect. They would stay with this less than desirable person because that person has already started programming into their mindset, into their psyche that nobody wants them. You're nothing. You're nobody. You're divorced. You're you're you got kids and you ain't never been married. Oh, you took this long and nobody wants you. You've been with me, ain't nobody going to want you after me. And so they put all this in their mindset, into their head, to where they begin to believe these things. They believe that they're less than themselves. They believe that that nobody wants them. They believe that nobody will take them after they've been with that person. They believe that they're less than desirable from any point of view. And so they stay because they feel like, at least I got a piece of man, or at least I got a piece of something. Because they, they fear being alone. They fear being without. That person begins, and I'll tell you, this is the mind. This is the mind of an abuser. It starts real subtle. 
saying little stuff. All right, now I keep talking. I'm going to knock you in the head. You know? Or it, it starts just as something as simple as that. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, that's so true. It's, it's almost as if they're tricking them and leading them in right into it. And the other person is falling, you know, right for that trap. But let me say this. I ask this question, and it's a very, very important question. I think it has a lot to do with a lot of things uh, that's going on. How much does sex have to do with taking the relationship to another level? And when I say that, I, I think when a person or man has sex with a woman, has sex with a woman, and I think the level of ownership or or him thinking this is his property now. How do you, do you guys? What do you think happens once this, once sex, once they start having sex? What happens? Well, well, I I think we all know and can agree that that sex is a, a, a emotional act, especially with females. Uh, you know, uh, that's you know, females that you know, it's an emotional experience. So I think. Too many times women look at that as as a strong factor and why they care about men to some degree. I, I don't say in every case, but I do know that that intimacy is an emotional uh, act that that women really, really, really think or feel that is, is very important. Well, you know, I want to add to that. I, I would say it's not just an emotional act. Of course, everybody knows it's physical, it's emotional, it's social, it's psychological, and in some cases, it's even financial. I mean, think about it. Look how, look how, if you look at the sex industry and how huge, huge it is, it's financial. So some women stay, you know, because maybe the sex is good, or maybe they feel like, they don't want to go without it. Or maybe they stay because they feel like they can use it to change that person. Or maybe they feel, or maybe that person is calm when they're getting some. So they try to keep giving them some so they stay calm. But it's psychological because they're using this thing to try to change somebody's mindset. It's social, of course, because when you look in the social realm, people that are doing it, you know, they do it and it's, it's casual, it's no big deal. Because an abuser could care less uh, who they have sex with as long as you're not having sex with anybody but them. They don't want nobody else to look at you. you but what? they'll look at everybody else. See, I, I it all goes back to control. Exactly. And, and I don't think women, I don't think not just women... I don't think the couples that are engaging in sex before marriage, I don't think that they truly understand how serious it is. When you start mixing in, in each other's body with each other's body, you're talking about soul ties now. Mm-hmm. You're talking about doing an act that's not intended for those that are not married. Sex was never intended for those that are not married. But when yeah. you start when you start mixing the two, it's not just a physical act. That's what a lot of people. That's how they look at it. Oh, it's just a feeling that both of us are gonna feel good and we're gonna go. No, if if you pay close attention to a relationship, when people start dating, as long as they're not having sex, that relationship runs very smoothly. Oh yeah. It's when that act is committed that things change. Things change. Things are now misunderstood. That's because now what you've done is you've done an act that you're not supposed to do, so there's confusion. Mm-hmm. There's no confusion where God is. There's nothing he created that should be confusing. You've overstepped your boundaries, and now it is wrong what you're doing. And I'm not saying that that, that because you're married and you're having sex and everything is going to be great. You're going to have problems. You're going to run into that. But I really do believe that sex plays a really, really big part in the mindset of, of, of a lot of guys that are that are 
controlling and wanting to just just beat this woman or do just whatever. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, it, it comes back to that control issue uh, as far as men. If, if, if they conquer that, that female, you know, uh, they, they they begin to want to control it. And unfortunately with a lot of us, a lot of us African-American males, uh, we have this, this thing about uh, conquering. You know, once we conquer that, we want to go on and conquer more. So we, we even take it to a, a, another disturbing level when we when we go outside of that one relationship and create multiple situations and create a, more problems because what eventually happens is, uh, you know, the arguments about, you know, I heard you sleeping around, I heard that you was at the mall with this other bee, and, and that's, that's causing more potential for domestic violence. You know, when, when these women confront these men about these different uh, females. So there's a lot of dynamics that are really, really going on in our community that we don't like to talk about. And we as men don't like to admit it, how we, how we spread ourselves so thin, which ultimately cause uh, females to confront you and then to control you. There's, you got to go back to beating or yelling someone down to control them. So yeah, you, you're right that that when that when that intimacy uh, becomes a part of a situation, it changes the situation uh, so much. Yes, yes. You know, I think our conversation has evoked a caller. So let's go to one of the callers on the line. Caller, you are live on the Abundant Solutions Hour from the 850 area code. Uh, I'm just, I just call. I'm just listening. I don't, I don't even know what's going on right now. Well, let me, uh, let me right. call. Well, call or stay with us. Call or stay with us. Don't, don't, don't cut his mic off. Caller, we're talking about domestic violence, and we're talking about uh, women and men having sex too early, as far as in a relationship. And that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this silent killer, domestic violence, and how it's, it's so silent sometimes. And, 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 and Carla, I, I guess I want to ask you a question because I want to add you to to the, to the group of men tonight. We don't have any women on, but, but what I want to ask you is, do you think a woman can push a man to the point that will make him snap and act violently? Uh, yes. Yeah, they, they they sometimes know how to push them hot buttons and 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 women and that you know. Yeah, yeah, you're breaking up on us, but but we're we're gonna we're gonna uh, stay with us, stay with us, don't hang up. But Brian, you you were saying that a lot of times uh, men uh, need to not allow this to happen. How how can they do that when they're caught off guard? When I say caught off guard, you know, when when you come home, you're thinking everything is, you know, everything is peaches and cream, and and then all of a sudden you're hit with something, and it just takes you back. How how can you deal with that? Well, you know, I, I think you have to put things into perspective. You know, weigh your options. Okay, something go something. You know, you're thinking everything's gonna be peachy keen, and then you get in, you get to the house, everything all out of whack. What do you do? You just blow up and decide you're going to whoop somebody's head and that's going to make you feel better? Or do you start looking at it rationally and start putting things back into place? See, I've always learned that if the puzzle gets, if the puzzle's not together, you don't kick over the box. You get the pieces and you put the puzzle in it back together. You know, if you want to see what the picture is in the puzzle, you know, you got to start putting the pieces together. And the puzzle's not going to look right until you put every piece in. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this, and call if you're still there. You, you, I want I want you to answer this first. What 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 do you think about in a relationship as far as games, the games that are played, the deadly games that are played? Sometimes uh, men play these games with women, and women play these deadly games with men. Mm-hmm. At, at what point do we grow up and say, you know what, there's no more games. We're just in this. 
to make this relationship work? Uh, I guess my question is, how do you get away from the game? Caller, are you there? Uh, yes. How how do you get away from the game? Well, my, uh, I think when you first go, when you meet someone, you tell them up front what you want. You know, you tell them you're, you're not about the game. If, you know, if we're not going to be in this relationship and, you know, to really love each other, there's no use to playing each other hearts, you know? Yeah. Point. And then, you know, when you recognize the game, you, you call that person on that point and say, well, I told you from the beginning, I don't want to play this game. So, you know, we just have to separate. You go your way and I go with mine because it's going to get worse. Right. 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 Larry, how how many men can walk away that easy? I, I just don't, I mean, it hadn't happened. I mean, we have a history, you know, and our history don't look too good right now. Uh, you know, and speaking as a social worker, you know, you know, our families and, and our community, our relationships, we're at risk. And if we don't pay more attention to it, I'm afraid that that we'll we'll continue to decline to a point where uh, we're gonna just be in a situation where it's just it's gonna be crazy. I know that's not a good professional social work word to say. <laughs> it's, it's off the chain uh, as far as our families, our communities, our relationships. And we got to call on our, our uh, the, the church and community organizations. Let's step it up. Let's strengthen our families. Let's strengthen our men. Let's strengthen our children, our youth. Let's come back together. Let's bring them back some kind of way and back back into the fold, so to speak. Because I'm telling you, as a family, as a community, uh, our relationships are all the charts going in a negative route, and we got to get control of it. You know, I agree, but, you know, the thing that most people don't even think about is that there are a lot of men that are walking away from these negative relationships. The re- the problem is we don't never hear about those men because they go on with their lives and they're not wrapped up in the foolishness. And see, those are the men we need to talk to. Those are the men that we need to be hearing from where they can speak out from experience and say, I was in a negative relationship and I broke it off and I never went back. You see? But more too often, like uh, Larry said, we hear about the ones that when they tried to break off the relationship, they went crazy and broke your windows out your car and, you know, and sliced your tires and they... Showing up, at, uh, you know, at your job, and you know what I mean. And, and, oh, yeah. and the lady's trying to say, "I don't want to be with you anymore," and he's saying, "Oh no, you're gonna be with me." And he's gonna fight everybody, you know, and shoot at you. And I mean, it's just crazy, you know. I mean, and and that's the reality. It's because we don't hear enough about the men that walk away from negative relationships, the women, the men that walk away from the relationships, and the women that are allowed to walk away from the negative relationships, that we have so much utter chaos. Well, Brian, I think we have another caller. Let's let's bring this caller in. All right, we have a caller from the 609 area code. Caller, you're yeah, on five. Yeah, this is Demetrius Brown out in uh, Union City, New Jersey. Billionaire Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to us, brother. You have a question or a comment? Uh, yeah, I was just um, I know personally there's a there's a lot of situations. You guys have touched on it this evening, um, where you know me. I'm the type of person. I've been in a situation about five years ago, where it wasn't a domestic case, but it definitely could have been if I didn't have the right upbringing. Where you know when I get frustrated, I don't take it out on anybody else. I want to go. You know, I'll run to the park or do something like that. But in this particular situation, a female would never let me go. Like, she would just grab me. I'd be like, just let me go. Just let me go. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And she would just always pick at me. And 
there's a lot of uh, males that's on the line that don't really, like I didn't have a father figure in my life, but I did have my mother that raised me like that. But it, I think it's very difficult for when, for those gentlemen that if they're in that same exact situation where they don't have that father figure or that mother that knows how to, you know, raise them that way, when what do they, like, there, there should be something in place because I don't see that there's something wrong with walking away and trying to just vent by yourself, shoot a basketball or throw a football or whatever. But I think that's tough also on the females when they don't let that man have that space to get his frustration out on his own. Mm. I like that. You know, you said something real important there. Space. Because <laughs> a lot of times that's what it is. They, ne- you know, a lot of times, in, especially in abusive relationships, there's never this thing called space. The person will crowd that other person, the aggressor will crowd that person to where they will be afraid not to be with them. Okay, and that's the mindset we got to change. We got to change the mindsets of what relationships are. See, relationships aren't about you being with that person 24-7. No, relationship is about having that person to go to when you need them or when you just want to be around them. Well, let me let me say this, Brian. I, I, I think that a lot of the relationships is, is based on the wrong thing from the beginning, a lot of them, not all of them. And, and I'll say this, whatever you want out of that relationship, that's what you're going to get. And I, I say to any couple, married or not married, live to love another day. Whatever's going on, stop it. Just end it right then. Like Demetrius was saying, let him leave or let her leave. And, and you come back together and you talk about this thing when when, when you're cooling off period. I think everybody needs that. And And stop trying to win the argument. Stop trying to be competitive and say, my way is the best way, and no matter what, you're going to see it my way. You can't do that. You can't force your opinion on someone else. It's okay to, to, to disagree. It's okay to do that. It's not that important for you to sit there and have to swing and fight and hit each other for just just not uh, because you left the bread uh, uncovered or you left the refrigerator door open. It's always the little stuff that just blows up and somebody is seriously injured. I think we really, really need to pay attention to say, okay, uh, Larry, when when we come home and we've had a rough day, leave that day outside. Don't bring that in the house. That's right. And and the number one thing, your marriage is not going to work if you don't have God at the head of it. I don't care what you do. I don't care how much counseling you go to. If he's not the head and you guys don't pray together, it will not work. It won't work. Exactly Great right. Great advice there, brother. So, 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 Demetrius, what did you do to end the relationship? Well, to end the relationship, that actually happened when my mother was there. The last time it happened was when my mother was there. We was at my mom's house because this was a while ago, and that was pretty much it. Like, my mom saw it. She was like you know, D, why are you doing this? You know, this is crazy. But my thing was I was always taught, you know, even outside of a relationship, if there's a problem, you know, fix it. You don't even have to tell the person, just fix it. But it comes a time where you keep fixing it and you keep fixing it and you keep fixing it, then the person gets complacent. There's no giving back. Because you're always fixing the, the problem. But then when a the new problem comes up, then she's automatically looking at you to fix it again. And then when you wisen up and you say, all right, this is it. Like, you've got to meet me at least. You're not even meeting me halfway now, but you've got to at least give me something to work with. And at last, at that last point, you know, it was just like a, a huge wake-up call. It was like I noticed that I was fixing everything. I started getting my self-esteem back. Because when you're trying to fix a relationship, because I was always taught also, you know, 
it's not so bad to argue like one of you said earlier. It's not so bad to argue because when you argue, it's an argument is different than domestic. Arguing, you get all it is is you're getting to learn and understand somebody better. If you never argued, you would be perfectly together, and that usually doesn't happen. So argument, uh, a cool argument is just learning that person to be better. So it was hard for me to to let that go because I was always in a solution type of uh, relationship where I was always trying to fix it, but I was never getting any type of leverage. So it came to a point where we had one situation, you know, at my mother's house. I was trying to go. I was the type of person that if there's an argument or if it gets escalated, I just want to go to the park, shoot a few baskets, you go home, and let's just have a coffee after or whatever. But that person would never let me go because I think because I'm so laid back, her leverage on me was it was a low self-esteem. It wasn't her. It was her self-esteem that wouldn't let me leave. Because she was previously in relationships where, you know, she didn't get that affection. I was giving her affection, but she didn't know how to handle it because it was something new. So when she didn't have that void in her life that, oh, baby, I'm here, oh, baby, I love you, I'm always doing things. So when she didn't have that, it would annoy me, she would annoy me, and then that's where the debate would happen because of her previous relationship. Wow. Mm. Hello, Brian. Are you there? Yes, I am. I've okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Don't say we have come to the end of our program. I wish we would have t- took more time out to talk about this. We're going to have to do another show that you know that deals with this because this was good stuff, man. We're going to have to get some women to come on, Brian, and tell absolutely, us their side absolutely. what's going on. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but with that yeah. being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you all for joining us tonight. We thank our listeners, our guests, and everybody that will listen to this show, uh, you know, all of our listeners on Facebook, on MySpace, on Twitter. We thank you, and we ask you to come back and listen to us again on Wednesday night where we'll have another great show, guys. With that being said, good evening. God bless you all, and thank you.